This is Blue Collar Culture, where you don't need ping pong tables, a cereal bar, or nap pods to attract and retain real A players. Join us for the next hour where we speak with down-to-earth leaders that understand what it takes to win with a blue collar culture. Now here are your hosts, Jeremy McLiver and Ryan England. Welcome back to another episode of the Blue Collar Culture Podcast. I'm your co-host Ryan England, and I am here with Jeremy McLiver. Say hi, Jeremy. Hey, welcome everyone. Today we are very excited to be joined with Adam Lean, the president of the CFO Project. And Adam and his team, they help improve the profitability of small businesses. They give their clients a CFO who helps them understand their financials and use them to make better decisions. Adam, thank you for joining us today. Hey, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, welcome. Yeah. So um, what I'd love to do is just have you share a little bit about your story with our listeners, uh, how you got to do what you do, and then exactly what is it that you do over at the CFO Project? Yeah. So I used to be an accountant and hated every minute of it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I really didn't like being an accountant because the accountant's job is to record what happened in the past. And I didn't, I hated sitting behind the desk and just crunching numbers. I wanted to get my hands dirty. I wanted to work in the business and help the business grow and work in sales and operations and marketing. Uh, so to, to sort of scratch that itch, I started my own business. This was in 2006. While I had a day job as an accountant, I started an e-commerce store. And, uh, and, and over the next couple of years, that business grew. Uh, by 2010, I was doing almost a million dollars in annual revenue, and I was able to leave my day job and focus on uh, being a you know business owner, and I, I loved it. Here's the problem, though: is all of a sudden I I had to wear all the hats in the business, not just accounting, but I had to do sales and marketing and operations and fulfillment and customer service and employee management and all these things uh, that uh, that you know, that I, A, I didn't really enjoy, uh, you know, some of those things and B, I was stretched way too thin because of that. I sort of took my eye off the, what I was good at which was understanding the numbers and, and financials. And even though sales were still growing, I was more stressed out than ever. I was working longer days. Um, I had no work life balance at all. And most importantly, my my profit and cash flow was getting smaller and smaller every month, even though my top line number, my sales was growing. So um, I essentially took a step back. And of course, this took a, a year or so to, to figure out, but I took a step back and uh, started zeroing in on what I was good at, which was understanding the numbers. And, and from that, I was able to spot what was going right and what was going wrong from a number standpoint. And, and here's why I keep using the word numbers. At the end of the day, regardless of what type of business you have, you have to make a profit and you have to make more uh, positive cash flow. Basically means you take your bank balance at the beginning of the year. At the end of the year, you should have more in the bank. Uh, and those are the only two things that matter in a business. And those are both numbers. And so, uh, you know, I, I've sort of figured out which parts of my business using numbers, which part of my business uh, was was working, which parts were not working. And then I zeroed in and started working on those parts that were not working. And slowly but surely, I was able to get myself out of it and improve the profitability and cash flow of the business. Well, in the meantime, I started working with other business owners and uh, to help them and realized that they didn't have the benefit 
that I had of understanding accounting and numbers because they're not accountants. Most business owners get into a business because they are experts in the craft or the trade of that business, not because they understand numbers. But again, at the end of the day, you have to have profit. You have to have cash flow. And those two things are numbers. So fast forward about a decade, I started uh, what I do now, which is called the CFO Project. CFO stands for Chief Financial Officer. A a, a CFO in a big business. So let's say Amazon.com. They have a CFO. Their job is to tell the, the, the CEO and the other members of management uh, what's going right and what's going wrong when it comes to the numbers. What Here's what needs to happen in order to improve profit and cash flow. That's really what they do. Well, big businesses have CFOs. Small businesses don't have anybody like that. So we uh, that's what we do. We bridge that gap. We work with small to medium-sized businesses. And every single month, we get on a, a Zoom video call and show them here's what's going right and here's what's going wrong over the past 30 days. And here's exactly what to do in order to improve the profit and cash flow in the business. Oh, that's fantastic. So, you know, we talk to a lot of small business owners that have this perception of being an entrepreneur that it equals freedom and it equals control of your time and control of your schedule. A lot more money than when I had a job. And so many of them get caught into that self-employment rut where they just created a job for themselves that's 80 hours a week instead of 40 that pays less, that has more stress and all of these other things. But I love what you said that there's really only two numbers that matter. Do you have more cash at the end of the year and are you making profit? Right. And I mean, that's really what being an entrepreneur is all about. So, but it's not that simple. I mean, that sounds so easy. Just focus on those two numbers. I mean, there's got to be more to it than that. Well, I mean, it it is easy and it's not. I mean, at the end of the day, it really, you have to have cash to, uh, to, to stay alive in, in your business and, and in cash flow. And let me clarify this. You could get cash in three different ways in your business. So if you had a $10,000 on January 1st and you ended the year with $20,000 on December 31st, you had positive cash flow. However, you could have had that positive cash flow in one of three ways. The first way is you could just get debt. So you could take out a, a line of credit or a credit card and you have access to cash. The problem with that is that you owe it back, obviously. It's not yours to keep. Uh, the second way to get cash is to get investors or get, you know, take your own money and pour it into the business. You know, your own personal savings. You could have poured $10,000 of your own personal savings into your business. You got cash, but it's uh, you didn't really create cash. The, the third way, the best way to create cash or to get cash is to make a profit. And this is profit from the operations, the normal operations of your business. And of course, that's why those two numbers go hand in hand. You have to make a profit and you have to also have positive cash flow. But the best type of cash is cash that you get to keep, that you you created. And so that's why I like to say that a business should be thought of as sort of a machine that sits in your garage, that that machine's job is to manufacture cash. I mean, that that's really it. And so The machine is made up of a ton of parts, but the whole point of it is to manufacture cash that you get to keep that that you don't owe anybody else. It's yours. You can go on vacation with it. You can save for retirement. You can 
you know, give your employees raises, you can reinvest back into your business and expand. It's your money. Um, and that's when you hear, you know, people like Warren Buffett, they say free cash flow. That's the only thing that, that he uses to measure, or one of the things he uses to measure a company. That's what that means. You have cash that's free. It's yours. You don't owe it to anybody else. You've created this cash. And that's really the whole point of a business. So, so it is sort of simple, but of course, it's easier said than done. I mean, there's a series of things that have to happen in order to improve profit and cash flow. But at the end of the day, very simply, make make more cash. And to do that, make more profit. So no, I think that's great. And I was just gonna say there's nothing that you said that says that I, as the business owner, am that machine. Like there's totally. a machine in my garage that's generating that cash. And so working harder, doing more, um, spending more time in the field, that's not what's going to generate that cash. It's creating that machine to create the cash for me. Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought that up because that's a trap that a lot of people fall into, you know, myself included. I mean, it, it's it's really easy to buy your, to, to have a, a very stressful job for your business to turn into a job that's like you said earlier, stressful and doesn't pay as well as if you go work for somebody else. You you don't, I mean, in, unless you want that, I mean, that's totally fine. If you just want to be, you know, what what would be no, known as like a self-employed person. So like an accountant or a doctor or lawyer who has this skill and they just want to be self-employed and practice being a doctor and, and lawyer or whatnot. Uh, but that's different than owning a business. Uh, owning a, a a machine, basically, where other people, uh, you employ other people and other parts of the business are running, but you you own the machine. You're not the machine. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I always think of that, uh, you know, when you're out traveling, you see those souvenir pennies that you got to crank the little machine and it spits it out. Yeah. Like a little, little thing. That's what I always think of. Like, that's the thing that I'm building. I got to put something into it and then I got to get something out of it that is worth something to me. And, you know, there's several ways to, to get that going. One is I put more in so I can get more out. And the other way is I turn it faster so that I can get more out. And uh, that's building the, the machine versus building the job. Um, I remember, yeah. I remember, you know, Every business that I've grown, uh, when we hit that critical spot where we felt stuck, uh, we brought in, you know, an outsourced uh, CFO like you, and helped to figure out, okay, where in this machine, what gears aren't working right now, what ones come become disconnected, that or what one can we put in here to make this machine go faster, um, spit out more of what we're what we're looking for, so. When we look at this from a high level, what if you were going to give the audience today one bit of feedback, what is that one thing that you feel like, or maybe there's a couple things there, um, that you feel like are the just the gold where, where, where you typically go and look first for a place to increase the profit? It's a good question, but every business is different. So there's not going to be one or two things for that, that will work for every business. However, here's a great way to figure out how to find out what the problem areas are in your business is take your income statement. So just ask your bookkeeper accountant, or if you have QuickBooks, just run it yourself. Take your income statement in for the past three years. And, and quite simply, look, did you make 
a profit? Are you growing in profit? Bottom line, the, the, the bottom line. And remember, it doesn't, you know, like Robert Kiyosaki from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that, that, uh, that book, he said, it doesn't matter how much you make, it matters how much you keep. You know, profit and cash flow are the keeping part. So on your, your profit and loss statement, also known as an income statement, look at the bottom line. How much profit did you make? Is it, is it going up every single year? And then also there's another report that uh, a lot of business owners don't look at, but it's called the statement of cash flows report. Run that also each year for the past three years. And it, there's, there's a line at the bottom that says increase in cash. That's your cash flow. Is that going up? And quite simply, those two, two things will help you figure out at a 50,000 foot view, is your business working or not? You know, and, and regardless of the, how well the business is doing, even if the profits are skyrocketing and your cash flow skyrocketing, there's several, uh, every business could improve. There's always room for improvement. Um, so there's seven, what I call drivers of cash flow. Uh, that really need to be improved in every single business constantly. And so once you've taken a look at sort of your profit and cash flow the past couple of years, uh, then you could take it a step further and break it down and look at these seven numbers and try to improve those numbers this year. And if you improve each of these seven numbers, you will improve your profit and cash flow. And we could go over those seven numbers if you want. Let's do that. That sounds exciting. The first set of numbers, the first three numbers revolve around sales, getting sales. So obviously to improve profit, you got to get more sales and or reduce expenses. Well, the first three numbers revolve around sales. So the first is leads. How many leads did you get last year? And can you improve that for this year? So a lead is a it's an opportunity to do business. So however you define that in your company, can you get more than you get last year? And by the way, if you're not tracking these things, you need to start today tracking uh, these numbers that I'm talking about uh, because they're they're very critical. Um, so you need to get more leads. That's number one. And then you need it. Number two is to improve what's called the, the lead conversion rate. What percentage of those leads can you convert into new clients or new customers? And so if you had 100 leads and you got 10 actual paying customers from those 100 leads, that means you have a 10% conversion rate. So that's the second number. Can you improve that number? So then those, those are two drivers of getting new customers. So to get new customers, improve one of those two things, one or both those two things. The third number to track or the third driver of profit and cash flow to track is the percentage of it past customers that you can get to buy again. So if, you know, if you own a, uh, a heating and air business, for instance, you know, what percentage of customers that have done business with you in the past, can you get to buy again? So that's the third, third drivers, increasing the percentage of existing customers that buy again. Um, you know, it's also, you know, some people call it purchase frequency or retention rate, all that just fancy way of saying what percentage of your past customers can you get? To come back. Um, so those three drivers will help improve the number of customers that you get. Then the fourth number is increasing the average sale. So the if you take uh, the average transaction or the average sale for every client or every customer, can you improve that number? So by the, uh, you know, 
just pausing here for a second. These are four numbers that you can work on just one of them and increase your profit and cash flow. But imagine if you started working on all of these four numbers. You know, you know, this takes time. But if you started working on all of those, uh, you'll dramatically increase. You're you're turning the levers up. You're dramatically increasing your profit and cash flow. So number four is average uh, transaction value. The fifth number is what's called gross profit uh, percentage or gross margin. Some people call it that. Basically, it's uh, you take your, your total sales and you subtract all the direct cost involved with making the sale. That leaves you with a gross profit or a profit on the sale. So let's, let's use an example of a pizza restaurant. Let's say you sell a pizza for $10. Well, you've made one sale at an average value of $10. And it, let's say that it cost you to make that one pizza. Let's say the dough and the cheese and the pepperoni and all was, was $4. That means your gross profit was, was $6. 10 minus 4 is 6. So you made a $6 gross profit. If you convert that to a percentage of sales, so six divided by $10, that means you had a 60% gross profit margin. So then the fifth driver of profit and cash flow is can you improve that gross profit margin? And you know there, you can either improve it by in raising your prices and or uh, getting uh, shopping around to suppliers or vendors to get cheaper cost or, or making the pizza more efficiently, uh, improving the gross profit. Uh, the sixth driver of cash flow is expenses. So if you have your sales, you subtract all your direct costs of the sales, that gives you your gross profit. What's left over has to pay all your overhead. So this is things that are sort of fixed in nature, like your insurance and rent and payroll, things that you sort of have to pay regardless of your sales volume. Um, so the sixth number is to can you reduce that overhead as a percentage of sales? So if you spent you know, 20% of your sales last year on overhead, can you get that down to 19% or, or less? If you take your sales minus your direct cost, that gives you your gross profit. You subtract out your overhead, that gives you your profit. But we're not done. I mean, if obviously you want to make a profit, you want to, so all those six numbers, if you improve those, you will make more profit than last year at least, uh, but we're not done. You've still got to convert that profit into cash that you get to keep. So this, so the last number, the seventh number is the conversion of profit to cash. So how much of that profit are you keeping? And that's, uh, obviously we want to make, you want to keep a hundred percent of it. Uh, so that's the goal you want to keep as, as a hundred percent of that profit is cash. Um, so that's those seven numbers. If you start tracking those and, and creating goals, for this year, and then just start measuring your your progress, you will increase your profit and cash flow. Wow, that was some. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of numbers there, but um, I think it's it's great because a lot of business owners. I mean, I, I see we see it a lot in just the work we do. They don't know any of those numbers. You know, they're focused on: Am I bidding high enough? Is my pricing right? Uh, but they're not looking at the expenses. They're not looking at costs, those kinds of things. I can't remember who it was that said it. I'm sure you know, but it's the idea of the power of one. And that's what I was thinking about when you said that. Uh, if I just focused on 1% improvement in one each of those areas, at the end of the year, it's not one plus one plus one equals seven. Like 1% 
revenue increase or lead generation increase, 1% expense reduction. I mean, that could equal $25,000 net income to the business owner by the end of the year. Yeah. Incremental improvements, is, it snowballs into something huge. And you don't see it on a daily basis. You don't see those 1% increases every day, but you see it on a yearly basis. You're right. They add up. Absolutely. So what can you... Um, a lot of great numbers. There are a lot of great things, but what are some of the things that you see that when you work with business owners, you're like, "Hey, when we're looking at this cash flow driver, let's let's do this and see what happens." Like, what are some of the stories? What are some of the things that you've seen uh, work or not work when people start tracking these numbers? Because I think tracking the numbers is part of the solution, but then yeah. you actually got to do something with that information. Yeah, absolutely. I had a uh, a client who's still a client uh, uh, start with me about three years ago. They owned a uh, a marketing company, marketing agency, and they were doing about a million and a half in revenue. And they, I mean, they were they were knocking out of the park when it comes to sales. They were increasing sales. That's that's what their focus was. But they had a loss that year of two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and so they were working themselves to death just to try to get out of that hole, but they were working on sales. Well, after we started working with them and we started tracking these numbers, uh, we realized that sales wasn't their problem. They were not making enough uh, profit on each with some of their services that they were offering. And, you know, they were spending way too much time because they were a marketing agency. They spent way too much labor on labor on, on certain processes and uh, they weren't making enough money. So we were, we were able to help them stop focusing on sales and start focusing on improving efficiency, improving the the gross profit uh, on every uh, client that they had. And they were able to turn that loss of $250,000 into a profit last year of over $350,000. I mean, that's a huge swing, almost $600,000 swing without, and this is key, without growing sales. Uh, and you know, it's, it, and that's a prime example of, you may think that sales is the problem. And of course, sales is cures a lot of problems, but that's not, may not be the only problem. Um, you know, here's another example. We had a client that was a doctor, a doctor's practice. He owned a large doctor, uh, 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 uh screening, you know, colonoscopy screening practice. He had 16 doctors working for him and they were doing a, a uh, pretty big business, uh, you know, m- multiple seven figure business. And we spent a couple of years together, but I remember one meeting distinctly. Um, I explained to the, to the guy that owned it, the head doctor, you know, you had, you know, X amount of, of patients schedule an appointment. Like you spent time and money, your sales team went out, got these people, Built relationships with referring doctors to give you these patients, and 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 they said yes, I want to schedule an appointment, but uh, about twenty percent of them were not even showing up. Well, they didn't realize because they had so many patients come throughout the day. They didn't really. I mean, they knew some patients just didn't show up, but it was never on their radar. You know, if if you were a small doctor, doctor's practice, it was just one doctor. You would notice when if if uh, you know how, you know twenty percent of your patients didn't show up, but because this was a large practice, they didn't notice. But I explained if you could reduce that from twenty percent down to to ten percent, you would add almost eight hundred thousand dollars to your to your bottom line because it's those patients. They're 
they scheduled a, a slot for them that they can't refill. So if you're able to improve the percentage of patient patients that that were that showed up, you'd be able to add so much to your bottom line. It was a complete eye opener. Um, but these are the things that you have to look at the data. You have to look at the numbers. And if you're not doing that yourself, you got to have somebody that is doing it for you and, and explaining it in a way that makes sense. Adam, I'd like to take us to, to that seventh one that you had there, um, profit to cash. Yeah. I, you know, I find that teams, when they do start focusing on their numbers, some of these other ones, leads and conversion rates and some things like that, uh, they might start tracking those. But I know how frustrating it is to get to the end of the year and the P&L shows that we've made $100,000 and there is no money in the bank. Yeah, it's a common story. So tell us a little bit about how do we get profit to cash? Yeah, and and that's a great question. I mean, that's a, a very important question because you're right. A lot of business owners are make there's there's they're making a lot of money. They're just not seeing it. Like, where is it? I made a hundred thousand dollars, like you said. Where is it? It's not in the bank. Uh, so uh, let's let's figure out some of the reasons why some of the main culprits of why this is happening. And there's a few. The first is if you sell to clients on credit. So in other words, if you do a job. And then you issue an invoice and you're waiting on the client to pay you. That means you've extended credit to your client. So let's say you did a, a heating and air, you're, you own a heating and air business. So you did a $5,000 job and then you send an invoice to the client for $5,000 and it takes them a month to pay you. So if you think about it, you made $5,000, you have $5,000 in revenue. And then let's say you paid your, your uh, employees and you, uh, your, for that job and you paid your supplies for that particular job. And let's say you profited $2,000 on that job because you already had to, uh, you know, you've made sales of 5,000 you spent all this money on labor to do the job. So you profited $2,000. So did you make, a, so on, their, on paper, you made $2,000 profit. That's great. But if the client hasn't paid you, you're not only out the $5,000, you're also out the money that you paid your employees and your suppliers. So you're, if the client takes, you know, ninety days to pay, you're you're out that money, and so that's a very prime example of how you can make a profit on paper, but not have the money in the bank. And in fact, you're having to spend more money to do that job because you have to pay your employees and your suppliers. Um, so accounts receivable is the name of the the you know, the, the account where that's a, a big culprit in a lot of service-based businesses. Um, so the, the, the best way to combat that is to, uh, get the, um, to, to, to watch your, who owes you money <laughs> like a hawk. And I tell our clients every week, you should be running this report and get your, if you, you know, get your bookkeeper accountant to send you that report. Or if you have something like QuickBooks online, uh, or zero or any of these other, uh, accounting softwares run your report every single week and see who owes you money. And anybody that owes you more than 30 days, you need to be on the phone with them, um, figuring out exactly where that money is. Uh, there's a, there's the report on QuickBooks online is called the accounts receivable aging summary report. <laughs> uh, but, uh, or just get your bookkeeper to, to send that to you. Uh, another, example of where the cash could go is inventory. So if you own a retail store 
or e-commerce store or something like that, and you're stocking inventory, you're having to buy all this inventory to stock your shelves. Well, that's cash that's going out the door. Well, until you sell it, you're not get it. You're not making cash off of that. Um, so if you uh, buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of inventory, that's a hundred thousand dollars that's sitting on your shelf or in your warehouse that's not sitting in your bank. And until you can sell through that inventory, you're not replenishing your bank account. So that's another culprit of of cash flow. You can you know have profit and, and a lot of profitable businesses go out of business because they're not able to to have maintain a positive cash flow um, and you know those those are two big culprits of cash another and this actually happened with a client uh, recently he you know they they're they're baffled as to why they always have to rely on debt credit cards and line of credit you know but it but they're they're taking owner withdrawals they're they're taking a salary from the business, but then they're also withdrawing. You know, in this case, it was about ten thousand dollars a month, uh, every single month, because they needed to, they needed the money for their personal use, for their family use. But because of that, and you know, they didn't really, uh, until we pointed it out, they didn't really understand why their bank account was very low every single month. It's like, well, hey, either we Im- improve your business. To support that withdrawal every month, well, you got to stop taking the withdrawal because you're hurting your business, and you know, and you're relying on debt, and you're you're increasing your debt. Debt is a very quick way to get rid of cash, especially long term debt. Uh, I've talked to some clients in the past about that. They're like, "We're so profitable, but we have no cash because you're servicing this debt, this Absolutely. liability that you took out last year." Uh, and I think that they forget that those are so closely related uh, that will suck up your cash, even though you might look really, really profitable on paper. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things, uh, one of the things that Jeremy and I spent a lot of time working on and, uh, you know, we're talking about this in the book as well, is that the, the health of your business has a lot to do with the people on your team. And that doesn't necessarily always mean the people that are providing your service. It could be your bookkeeper. It could be uh, your uh, someone helping you with your financial strategies. But people are such a big driver for the health of your business that when you get the right people, you get them in the right seats, and you've got a team that's really productive, uh, that can do huge things for the profitability of your business. Uh, in the trades, especially home services, Uh, There's a saying that a lot of the technicians, they sell from their own wallet. Um, They're like, well, it's not my credit. So I'll I'll work with the the customer to get the credit set up and then somebody else's problem to get them to pay or um, not selling them the right services or that kind of stuff because it might be more expensive. Um, But having the right people on the team can really impact your cash. Uh, your profitability, all those numbers that you talked about. Because uh, if you've got a lot of leads coming in, but you don't have people closing those leads, that's a problem. Yeah, or servicing a lot of times. Yeah. yeah, a lot of times the owner has to step in to take care of that. And that keeps them from working on the things that really matter on the health of their business. So would you mind talking about that a little bit? Just what you see when you're working with clients, what the impact of people or the right people have on profitability, cash flow, some of these other numbers you're talking about? Yeah, I mean it. You know, that's a great question because 
employees are likely one of the largest expenses that you're spending every single month. And there's a rule with that with expense, rule of thumb with expenses, regardless if you're paying an employee or paying your rent or marketing or you know the the guy to cut your your grass. Only spend money if you're going to see a return on that money. So with it, when it comes to employees, if you're going to pay somebody to do a job, that job has to to that that person has to pay cover their salary and all the benefits and all that in uh in in some way i mean otherwise why if they're not helping do that why give them the money you might as well keep the money in your bank account so you've got to measure somehow the productivity of every single employee and every employee whether i mean measuring the productivity of a sales employee is easy did they are they making sales and uh closing the sales to cover their salary that's that's easy, but what if it's a uh, a dock worker, somebody in the warehouse, or somebody? How do you measure their their productivity? So you've uh, you, there there are ways to do it. I like to use a method where that we set sort of a strategy or what I call objectives for the whole company, and then for every department, we set objectives to help support the big company objectives, and then for every department. We set objectives for each team member to help meet the objectives for the department, which would help meet the objectives for the entire company. Um, and and if you set these objectives for the company and for the department and for the team member, then you could set measurable. Uh, uh, you could define the define the the, the metrics that you can use to say, did the employee meet the objective or did the department meet the objective or did our company meet this objective? And that way you're not only making sure that everybody in the organization is aligned to the objectives of the company, which should help you improve your profit and cash flow. You're also measuring whether or not they're actually doing that. They're actually being a, effective at meeting the objectives of the company. And so that's a great way to help ensure that your employees are being uh, productive and improving the profit and cash flow of the business. I love that. Um, another thing that I love to ask, you know, when you know you you, you mentioned the dock worker, um, or I actually just recently had an inventory stalker that <clears throat> we had to um, figure out what are their key metrics. And a question I love asking is, what happens if we don't have them? And that usually surfaces out well. You know, if we didn't have this guy in inventory. We would have our inventory would back up our 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 workflow would drop. We wouldn't have the right stuff going out to cost this, this, this. All of these things happen. I'm like, great. So how do we measure to make sure that if we're paying this guy, we're not getting those things or we, we're getting what we want? And uh, recently with with that inventory thing, we got through it and he looked at it and said, We had no clue that that person was that valuable to our cash flow. And now we know exactly what does it look like? How do we know that that person is driving these results for us? So I yeah, love the way, the way that it's all pulls together and the way you pull it down like that. So yeah. And, and it all starts with measuring, measuring something, a number it doesn't have to be, and a number doesn't have to be a dollar amount. It could be a percentage or, or a number is it, just, it, you got to start measuring. 
I had a team that grew um, their one division of sales by 85% in one quarter on the number that they were measuring. They were measuring one single number, and that was windshield time. How much time are our guys driving? And they just started measuring that one single number. And lo and behold, they found ways to reschedule, schedule faster, schedule density in areas of town. And actually, one of the biggest things they got was people turning their paperwork in. If you turn your paperwork in, now it's billable hours, not drivable hours. Yeah. <laughs> and sale, sales go up right there. So they were able to speed up the, the time that they were able to get that turned into, which you know what happens with that. Now that we have those billable hours, if we build a customer right away, we're more likely to get the money, get the money quicker, cash flows up. Um, yeah. And that, that number had nothing to do with dollars and cents or anything like that. It had to do with how much time are we driving around going from job to job? Yeah. And, uh, super and it's a good, it sounds like it was a very clear way, a clear number for their employees to understand. And it was a driver or something. So that, that number was a driver windshield time. So because it was clear and easy for them to understand, and that they knew that their superiors were, were measuring it there, they would improve. So, you know, people improve what's, what's measured or you know, Peter Drucker says, you, you, you measure what matters. You know, there, I have no idea if this story is true or not, but there's a, there's a story about uh, Henry Ford and, and the factories uh, was trying to figure out how to get, each shift to to work harder <laughs> to produce more more uh you know cars and so at night uh, after one shift they decided to write in chalk on the floor a number of you know like 60 and and then the next shift figured out you know wondered what that number was and it they figured out that it was the amount of cars that the first shift produced so they wanted to to, because they were met, they wanted to beat the first shift, so they uh, did sixty one, and you know wrote that in chalk. And so the third shift figured it out, and they wanted to beat that, and so they did sixty two, and you know it kept going because they were measuring it, and everybody want if they understood the they understood the number, and somebody was measuring it, so they increased output. I have no idea if that story is true or not, but it sort of fits. <laughs> But I do know that it, in, in reality, I've seen that so many times. And the big, the big thing with even that story or the, the windshield time story or any of those is the number has to be um, relatable to the employee. Absolutely. The owner wanted to increase sales, <laughs> increase profit in that division. That's what they were after. But the employee couldn't understand that without understanding the accounting and the infrastructure, like we weren't going to get there, but they could understand windshield time. And it did directly affect their lives and how long they were working between these things. And so it was a number that was in their world. And that's what I always encourage you know, my teams to do is to get to a number that's, that they recognize. I'm like, at the end of the day, do they know if they were successful or not? Too often our employees are playing a game of business and they don't even know what winning looks like so they're at the basketball court just you know at the park just kind of lobbing the ball stopping for some water chit-chatting because they don't know what winning looks like we gave them numbers we tracked their points we cheered them on 
Um, we encouraged them to do that. They start playing tighter, cleaner shots, faster passes, more energy in it because they know what success looks like. They know what winning is. We totally. defined it for them, and now we help them win. They help us win. I mean, you're right. Imagine you know, like like a basketball a basketball team. The head coach is the business owner. The business owner gets these reports, and let's assume, and most business owners don't don't do this, but let's assume that the business owner understands their financial statements, their the income statement, balance sheet, cash flow statement, and all that. So the the head coach understands these numbers and and they're pouring over these reports every month, but their team is lost. Their team has no clue what's, what's going on. Um, You know, and what makes it worse is that many head coaches don't even understand those, those reports anyway. So everybody's lost. So how do you solve that? Well, you have a, a scoreboard, a very simple, easy to understand way for everybody involved, the coaches, the players, the fans in the stands to understand what's who's winning, who's not winning. It has to be, like you said, it has to be relatable and it has to be simple. Um, and so those, those seven numbers that I've talked about, they go on what we call a scoreboard and we create a scoreboard for each one of our clients. So our clients don't look at income statements or balance sheets or cash flow statements they look at this scoreboard because it's clear and easy to understand. And if the business owner understands it, then they can know what to do to improve it and they can explain it to their team more clearly. No, I love that. Um, just, just measuring and just keeping track, just being able to share that information with the team can do so much uh, to improve profitability and cash. Um, well, <clears throat> hey, Adam, we, uh, we're actually out of time. So I uh, want to thank you for being here today. It's been uh, it's been a really enjoyable conversation. When these go really quick for us, um, as it did for me, uh, I know it's got some great information for our listeners. Yeah, well, uh, I really enjoyed it. So for people here. that are like, you know what? He's right. Yeah. We, we, for the people that are listening to this going, you know what? He's on to something. But I have no idea. I don't even remember what those seven things were. <laughs> I need to reach out to him. How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, my website is thecfoproject.com. So T-H-E-C-F-O-Project.com. And uh, to get a hold of me, honestly, at the top right, there's a button that says book a call and you'll see my calendar. Just just book a call. I would love to speak to any business owner. But to get those seven numbers and to, to understand them, um, I have a, a, a short 25-minute sort of video workshop. So if you go to thecfoproject.com slash video, you can watch, um, you can get those seven numbers and, and a whole lot more. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you thanks for having me. For us with us today. Really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, great numbers. Go check it out. Uh, go learn a little bit more about how to drive some cash in your business. Thanks again, Adam. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. The Blue Collar Culture Podcast is sponsored by bluecollarculture.com. We help entrepreneurs create a healthy culture and build a self-managing business. To learn more, go to bluecollarculture.com.